0: Hi, everybody. This is Mel. This is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hi, Jill. How's it going? Hi Mel, I'm good. How about you? G- good. It, it is Mel and Jill after dark this time. It is. It's <laughs> not that late, honestly. A, we're just kind of old, and B, we are. We are in a silly mood tonight. So. Oh God, yeah. Oh. I've 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 been like
1: laughing, crying for about five minutes now. It's not Various that
0: funny. It's <laughs> very funny? <laughs> Uh, but before we dive into today's topic, I wanted to share a really fun conversation I had with my mom today. So my mom and I, we talk like once a week and she, I don't remember how we got on the topic exactly. But she's like, yeah, I don't think I'd ever go see the Barbie movie. That just doesn't interest me. And I was what? like, what, 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 what? Just wait. So I ended up I was like, actually, mom. I think you might really like it. And I kind of explained without like any spoilers. I explained some of the stuff that happens in the Barbie movies. Like, yeah, you might not like every aspect and every moment of the story, but, you know, it has a lot to say about women in society and patriarchy and how it's not really beneficial to anyone. It uh, has a lot to say about motherhood and yeah there's some fun and like the set design is really fun like they built this whole barbie house like barbie dream house and you know i think you would actually really like it and i you know i explained all of these things and i kind of finished up the the conversation of being like i'm your film school kid how often do i recommend you to see a specific movie She's like, mm-hmm. you're right. You really don't push movies on us very often. I'm like, I don't. So if I'm recommending it like you and dad, I don't think my dad will go see this movie. Not because my dad <laughs> has anything against it. I just my dad is not. Dad my is dad does not me either. I don't think I was so. Like, but but like maybe you and your friend, Debbie, Auntie Debbie, can go like to a matinee together and see it. And She's like, hmm, I'll think about it. And I'm like, hmm. I don't like that. So yeah, because my mom like made a joke, cause I was correct. My mom did not play with Barbies because my mom was a full-ass teenager by the time there was Barbies. And she's like, well, did you talk about me not letting you guys have Barbies when you were, like, really, really little? I was like, yeah, Mom, because her shoes were a choking hazard. Of course you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That is a
1: fair point, though. Like, those little suckers were absolutely choking hazards. And and they were,
0: like, a soft plastic. I do distinctly remember chewing on them at some point when I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. So... Yeah, she's like, yeah, you and your sister were just we. My sister and I were really into My Little Ponies as kids. We probably had a hundred plus of those things. I was into My
1: Little Ponies. I, I was into My Little Ponies.
0: I love them. You know what though?
1: The new version, the new My Little Ponies, is badass. By the way,
0: like the the My Little Brony, like the one with all the Bronies, like the Friendship is Magic version, or is there like a newer version of it? The last I know is Friendship is Magic.
1: Okay, when we like, there's My Little Ponies from when we were kids. Like My Little yeah. Ponies, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. not that one. the The one that the girls watch is yeah, that's Friendship is Magic. Is, okay, oh mm-hmm. my god, I love it. It's so good. It's really good. Oh, you know what? Actually, and I don't know why we didn't talk about this in the Barbie episode. Um, the Barbie, I think it's Barbie Dreamhouse. It's on Netflix. <gasps> that one's really good too. I haven't watched that. Oh my god! I'll find it and send it to you, um, and I'll put it in the show notes too. I yeah. If, are we allowed to do that? Yeah. Okay, I'll totally put it in the show notes too because I like I like that Barbie. Like, see, it was good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I it wish was there was
0: like a nod to like maybe like an actor Barbie for all of those like CG Barbie movies that came out in like the early two thousands. Actually, they did. Oh. Uh, they, that was actually, um,
1: char- they did actually have some of those characters in the movie. Oh.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe I missed that somehow. Being all, oh. like, emotionally oh, invested in the actual story. I missed some of the Easter eggs. I can't wait to buy that movie. I know. I I, I think that, f- from a marketing perspective, it was absolutely brilliant and i'm really really hopeful that they lean into some of the nostalgia like i would love for them to do like a commemorative like vhs of this movie with like a hot pink case (gasps) and like the the cassette is hot pink oh my god I, i i will hand over my money Warner Brothers, if you do that, you owe me like a teeny tiny royalty of like $150 for that idea. That's amazing. Yeah. Who wouldn't I would buy totally that? would do
1: that. By the way, you know what? I saw an article today and this kind of – it kind of – we can lead this back into the book so we're reading here shortly. Uh, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and Barbie movie are absolutely – kicking ass mm-hmm. this year okay mm-hmm. and i am here for it absolutely here for it i i like i cannot oh my god i love it and then even in the book space as well like did you all know That romance is the like basically keeping the publishing industry alive, and guess who reads romance novels? Oh, gee, it's and it blows my mind because it's like it's like someone (laughs) somewhere figured out that hey, maybe women are a good target market audience
0: to market to, maybe. Just a smidge. <clears throat> oh my yeah. gosh! Considering all of the craziness in the publishing industry right now, the fact that romance novels and like we will likely never cover a, a Colleen Hoover book because she is not by any means my favorite author. Her her stories are questionable and her writing is just not to my taste at all so like um unless jill reads one on her own and really falls in love with it i don't think we're ever going to talk about it but like essentially colleen hoover and her books and like sjm keeping the publishing industry alive and then i'm pretty sure uh was it rebecca yarrow yeah one? fourth Wing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I watched a video with her today on TikTok where she got like the very first yes! physical copy. I, to say that. I sent it to Jill because, of course, I did. Oh! I'm did sure you notice when she put the fourth copy of her copy of Fourth Wing and the copy of Iron Flame together that like mm-hmm. the little thing in the middle yes, lined up? Yes, I did. I absolutely love it when books do that. Also, I saw that. You didn't see it until the very very end, but we are definitely getting sprayed edges on all like on some of the first editions because oh, the I, top of it was black. yes, i I saw I sent that to Molly as well.
1: um and she because she is looking for a, a spray splayed edges copy of the original one. So she's pre-ordered it mm-hmm. for this one. But she, she was like, God damn it, it was such a tease because she didn't get to see
0: the edges. I know, on the, but on like, video. I think they want the to keep it a surprise because it probably yes. plays into the plot somehow, whatever's on the edges. But you know what else I've like, discovered
1: on Book Talk is a thing? Is like, I guess, I don't know if they're independent publishers or just people as like a hobby. They reprint books mm-hmm. in these. Beautiful yeah. covers. I,
0: I will. Oh. I will have to put the name of the TikToker oh. in the show notes because I don't know it off of the top of my head. But there's a girl who's going through her entire like library of books and rebinding them as the Penguin Classic fabric bindings, and like she prints out everything oh. on her Cricut, and the the they're so beautiful. I a don't have the skill set to be able to do that, but I'm here for it. I will watch her rebind her books. All day, every day. You are
1: so talented. I've seen people go in and and do the painting on the edges of the books. Oh. So beautiful.
0: You know what? One of the things I love about TikTok is, like, you get to see some really cool-ass shit. Yeah. Like, the guy... We talked about this about another thing. There's a guy who goes into thrift stores and, like, Goodwills and buys paintings. And then he goes in and puts other stuff mm-hmm. into the painting. He'll like put nerdy things like he did one where it was like a like a prairie picture and he put a bunch of like a Pokemon in it.
1: Like, oh my God,
0: super nerdy. But like, I would buy that. Hell yeah. I want my Thomas Hell Kincaid yeah. that had random Disney characters in it, but I don't particularly like Thomas Kincaid's like style. But like, I want I want the classic art look, but yeah. with my nerd nonsense in there please thank you oh my god it's amazing what people come up with it really is I really and I don't have the skill set to do this entirely by myself because I have like a a day job and a life so like I can't do everything at once but I would love for there to be kind of like a her universe type thing and there's like small collections here and there but like a company that's specialized in a adult subtle nerdy merch oh my god like so like you have like clothing and home goods and Mm -hmm. all of this these kinds of things that like was nods to these nerdy things but like really subtly so like think like a polo but you could get either like whatever your hogwarts house like stitched on it like you could get a badger or a snake Mm -hmm. or griffin and uh whatever the Ravenclaw is right now it's not a raven it's something else um but you know what I mean like you can have that stitch like kind of like how like the eagle is for like amber crombie or for American eagle kind of thing or like you can get sheets for your bed or curtains or like do you know what I mean like but it's subtle about it because you don't want to flaunt your power level
1: This is exactly what I was talking about to you. I asked her to help me find something like some art to put up in my kitchen. And that was exactly what I was trying to describe to her is like, I want something that I know what it is. And if someone else sees it, the Easter eggs, like Taylor Swift level type. Here's my hint. You'll see it if you see it.
0: Yeah, seriously. But before we continue to digress, even oh, further. I know. We should probably
1: get back to it.
0: Do we want to talk about our book of the day? Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. So we are talking A Court of Thorns and Roses today. So we are only going to talk about the very first book. Uh, we are going to try to do this in a single part because, uh, let's be honest, everybody likes A Court of Thorns and Roses. Is a great entry uh, level uh, to the Sarah J. Mass pyramid scheme, as I like to call it. But uh, <laughs> but it is no one's I don't think it's anyone's favorite SJM book
1: I would agree with
0: that I don't I don't think it's anyone's favorite but that's, the, here's the thing I will say this and Jill you can add yours in <laughs> why
1: are you hitting yourself
0: uh, I didn't my watch has a magnetic clasp to close oh. and my hand got too close to my microphone and it attached itself Oops. Today's going to be an interesting recording day. Let's just say that. So anyways. I can tell. Uh, so when I first read Akatar having minimal context for the next books in the series, it was a five star read for me. I really enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. But then the book series got so much better. Yeah. I, I don't think in context, like if I was going to rank all of the Akatar books, it wouldn't be my number one. It would be like four.
1: How many are out? Five. Five. Yeah, it would be four. What would be five?
0: Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna, I'm. I'm gonna say Frost and Starlight. Even though I love Frost and Starlight, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I'm gonna say Frost and Starlight because it is in it. I think the first read through you absolutely should read Frost and Starlight because I think you deserve that reprieve between Rings and Ruin and Silver Flame. Like you deserve to get to see Feyre and recent living a happy life and kind of dealing with some of the trauma, dealing with some of the things that they went through and and sort of stepping forward into a happier life. Um, But it on a reread, unless I'm looking for clues within the Massiverse, which P.S. to future us, I noticed something when I was writing the notes for Frost and Starlight yesterday, because I write the notes like way in advance, uh, that does connect back to Crescent City, too.
1: The, and this is a long ways away for me. So this <laughs> it, will be probably a while in the future.
0: Yeah, we're not, going to, talk about, Melissa,
1: we're
0: not going to talk about any of this for quite some time because yeah. Jill is currently reading the Assassin's Blade for Throne of Glass. Yeah. She's just starting that. So she's got a long ways to go until she understands what I what I have put together. And I think no one else. Might, I don't know if anyone else has picked up on this. I think I might be the only one. Or at least the only person I know or if, like I've not seen any theories on TikTok or anybody really talk about this. So I might be and solo in this in my crazy theory here. I will say prior to me picking up A Court of Thorns and Roses, I was very heavily on book talk, but I didn't have any context for anything. So... Yeah. I did know going into Akatar, the Tamlin was somehow not endgame. game. I didn't know why he wasn't in-game. I knew that she was eventually gonna get with Reese, but I didn't have any context for how that was gonna occur. I like going in with no context
1: because I like knowing or finding out later that I'm right. <laughs> you about really do. You really do. <laughs> that like is like your favorite right. thing. It is. It is my favorite thing when it comes to books. Also, I have learned about myself. I'm apparently very paranoid and I don't trust anyone. (laughs) I also was very lucky to have zero context going into fourth wing as well. I saw a lot on book talk and I don't know how I didn't spoil that for myself.
0: I scrolled away. I was really... I knew I wanted to read Fourth Wing. I knew I didn't want any context. I didn't even look at, like, character drawings because I really wanted to be able to let my mind make up what people looked like. I just...
1: If I wasn't even, like, going to read it, I would just scroll. But, like, thinking back, I'm sure I saw character drawings, spoilers, all sorts of stuff, yeah.
0: But you didn't know yeah exactly all right so uh, apparently today is gonna be maybe we should change this podcast title to mel and jill continually digress from the main point of the the conversation all right because it's who we are as people start. we're gonna start go us um so a court of thorns and roses opens with Feyre, our main character uh in she's the younger youngest daughter of uh who was once called the king of merchants we're gonna call him papa archeron because the dude never gets a name um and she's hunting in the woods it's the dead of winter uh her family is very very poor her father had had some bad deals happen and then uh some some debt collectors came and they actually uh hurt him they they wounded his knee and he's just he's disabled now so he's not really able to take care of her or her two sisters. And so Feyre, as the youngest, has now taken it upon herself to go hunting in the woods. So she is out in the woods looking for a deer or something that she can kill to bring back to her family for them to live on. Um, she's really desperate uh, and she's very also worried during this for like opening chapter about the fae and we learn a little bit that the fae live beyond this wall and they're not to be trusted but there is some kind of treaty between the humans and the fae where if if either side breaks a portion of the treaty which is not fully explained at this point It could lead to very bad things like they can essentially like if somebody breaks the treaty, it can lead to the other side being able to kill and torture. So essentially, like assuming like a a human accidentally does something, the Fae could then come and kill and torture all of the humans. So Favera sees a deer and she goes to to try to kill it. And then she notices that it is being stalked by a wolf. And she spends a lot of time thinking about killing this wolf and being concerned that it could potentially be a fae, but she ultimately ends up killing this wolf. She shoots it twice. Um, Favera, does not recall this this memory very well future fair is not the most reliable narrator on the planet um and so she ends up also killing the deer that it was also stalking so she can't carry both home because she is one person so she ends up skinning the wolf for its pelt and then bringing the deer home
1: i like where do i even start you went over so much there (laughs) I guess I'll start with the pelt. Uh, it was a little horrifying, honestly.
0: I was like, oh, okay. That she just skinned this wolf and then left the carcass there? Yeah. Because, like, that's gross. It's part of <laughs> hunting.
1: It is part of hunting, but then, like, when you figure out what happens, like, what happened later.
0: Oh, it it's a we're going to we're going to come back to that. Yeah. um but yeah, I. What was your first impression of Feyre?
1: I didn't understand why. She is the youngest was doing all those things.
0: I think a was just trying to subvert that normal, like the yeah. eldest is the caretaker trope. I also did not understand what the
1: f was going on with Papa Archeron. Like, come on, my dude. Depression. Sitting there, yeah. But Feyre, I don't know. I don't think I had enough at that point to have much of an opinion. I'll tell you, I
0: formed one later on, though. So, very initially, she gave me a little bit of like Katniss Everdeen vibes from the very beginning of Hunger Games. Can I can I make a confession? Yes. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever actually read The Hunger Games. All right, we're pausing for two seconds—not literally, just figuratively. I'm gonna go over. So we are cuckoo for cocoa puffs. So we have a content planning ideas list, and I'm running Hunger Games, <laughs> catching fire and mocking jay onto this list. You don't have a choice. And then we're just going to do a ballad of songbirds and snakes. Is that the one that's coming out? Yes. This is a prequel about snow. Nice. We're going to rectify this, listeners. <laughs> I pretty promise. <laughs> I think I started it. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't want to digress, but you're gonna. I'm gonna make you read this. Just oh, I, you know. I'm totally in. I'm not. It's it's not like a.
1: I'm. It's not a anti. I don't want to read it. It just never did.
0: I'm. Anyway. Hmm, hmm. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. I don't need you to justify it. We're just gonna rectify it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So Fera brings the deer and the pelt home to her little one-bedroom shack that she lives in with Papa Archeron and her two sisters, Nesta and Elaine. So Nesta's the oldest, then it's Elaine, then it's Fera. So Fera comes in, and we kind of get this initial first impression, at least from Fera's perspective, that her sisters and her dad are useless. Because they are? Uh, they don't help to... Uh, prepare the deer to be cooked they don't really help chop wood they and all they do is when they see the pelt and they talk about the things fair can buy them with the money she's gonna get from the pelt
1: I, again why is the 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 youngest person in this family doing all that stuff and and i remember her thinking to herself like oh i wish so-and-so would just get married and I wish she would just, it, it would just be me and Papa Archeron. It's like, well, if he's so useless, why do you want it to just be you two?
0: Yeah. So we later, like, I think it's in this chapter that we learned that she her, their, Her mother ha, ha, has passed away quite some time ago. So Farah is 19 at the time of this. And her mother passed her away when she was eight. And then Papa Archeron, got into all of his trouble when she was or she went into the woods for the first time when she was 11. So he mm-hmm. very soon after her mother passed away, he lost his fortune and they ended up living in this little shack and they sus- they sustained themselves for a while on the savings that he had, but it didn't last super long. So by the time she was 11, she had to go into the woods to hunt for her family. Uh, she's made this promise to her mother and I don't really love this promise her mother made, forced her to make on her deathbed, which was that Pharaoh was to stay with her sisters and to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So Feyre feels all of this responsibility to be a caretaker to to her family. So she wants to essentially marry off her sisters so that she knows that they're taken care of and then just spend the rest of her time painting and taking care of her father. I don't feel a lot of love out of Feyre for any of her family members at this point.
1: No, not at all. Mm -mm. Well, I mean, the way she, like, to me, the way she, like, referred to her dad, it wasn't love, but I was like, well, she doesn't dislike him. I don't think she disliked Elaine either, but it just indifference.
0: Yeah, it's very apathetic. She's like, I'm Mm -hmm. holding myself to this responsibility because I made this promise to my mother on her deathbed. Beyond that, she's not really invested in anyone in her family. Mm -hmm. Like, other than... So the only piece of investment we really get is that Feyre talks about painting things. And one of the things that she has painted is this dresser in her sister and hers room. So they all share this one room, they share the same bed, but then they have this one three drawer dresser Then and they each get a dresser or a drawer for it. And so Feyre has gone in with the cheap paints that she has been able to afford during the summertime to paint each one of their drawers. So she paints flames for Nesta, flowers for Elaine and the night sky for herself which is interesting very interesting so favor prepares the deer for dinner and you know plans she's like okay this will hold us out for like a week so I can I don't have to go back out and essentially everybody goes to bed and and uh She then, you know, they get up the next day and they go to town to sell the pelt. And on the way to town, we get to see the very first one of our cults here in the in the uh, Akatar series, the Children of the Blessed. And they're essentially they worship the Fae and they intentionally try to go across the wall so that they can worship the Fae in person. They're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mm hmm. They also never come back. I should tell you something. Yeah, yeah. So like they're weird. They're sketchy. They're very cult ish. Uh, so Farrah has no time for these people. She just is like, screw you guys. I'm moving on. So she ends up connecting with this mercenary and The mercenary sort of takes a little bit of pity on Feyre and she buys the pelts from her for a little bit more than what they're worth. And her explanation of this is that she once met somebody who who paid this kind of kindness to her. And so she wants to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. I think that once you get deeper into the Massiverse, you will also share my theory that this mercenary isn't just a mercenary; it's somebody important.
1: Um, I would agree with you. I mean, I know absolutely nothing about the Massiverse at this point, but I would agree with you because it seemed really out of place to me. Yeah,
0: and an unnamed like, mercenary. hmm Like just it's,
1: there. There's no other mention of mercenary anywhere else in the series so far, so. It was weird. We also at that
0: point, I didn't know it was
1: weird. I didn't know it was weird at that point because it was just the beginning. But yeah,
0: yeah. So we also get a brief glimpse to Feyre's former lover Isaac, who is now engaged to someone else. Um, But we learn that you know she kind of had this little bit of an affair with Isaac, uh, and it wasn't a love match though. It was really more about just. About yeah, they were friends with benefits, essentially. Mm-hmm. So f- that night, Faraz back at the shack with the fam, bam, and a literal beast breaks through their door. Full on scary beast.
1: Rahar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's probably an exact quote not gonna lie so we so we find out that this beast is a real pissed that Feyre killed this wolf because her worst fears are realized this wolf was in fact a fey in disguise which makes what she fucking did so so much much she skinned a male fae alive well not alive he was dead but she skinned him and then sold it
1: i was just about to ask i couldn't remember did she eat any of it or did she sell it
0: no no she just sold it and she left all of the carcass so like all of the in the woods so it probably got eaten by like vultures
1: does it go back to its normal shape or does it stay in the wolf? That's a morbid question. No, 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 I'm no. no. Gonna... Prob- I,
0: from, for my canon is that it's if you die in beast fo- form, you stay in beast form. God,
1: I hope you stay in beast form.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, if if not, she would have, inst- like if she killed the wolf and it instantly turned back into a fae, she would have instantly known she had fucked up. That's a fair point. I didn't think about that. Well, she didn't know. So uh he's real mad, but gives her two options of A, I'm going to murder you right now in front of your family. Or B, you have to give up your entire life here in the human realm and come live with me in Prithian, a.k.a. the land of the fairy, and just chill with me for the rest of your life. I mean... There's not much of a choice is there. <laughs> I feel like murder is not a great option here. Yeah. So, like, yes, abandoning like, well, I guess I'll life. go pack a bag. Yeah, like, hmm, let me go get my three dresses out of my drawer. Mm-hmm. And I will come along with you. Uh, it is a weird thing of, like, you broke this treaty and you've caused all these problems, and so you have two options. Come live in the land of the Fae, which... You don't know what that's going to be like. Or I'm going to yeah. kill you. I'm going to take my chances and I'm going to go live in in the land of the Fae. Yeah. I'm going to go I see think, what's going to happen. I think I guess I'll go with you. Don't yeah, not please, please. Like, pretty please don't make me a slave. Mm-hmm. Can I just, like, be a normal worker? He for, like, also didn't even say he
1: wouldn't do that. He just <laughs> said, you have to come with me. and You just went. have to come
0: with me. Yeah. Uh, thanks, my dude. And so he puts a little bit of a spell on her and she falls asleep and she doesn't wake up until they're at his manor. So she has no fucking idea how they got there.
1: Well, I'm not surprised, but
0: I'm not surprised either. Like secrecy and yeah,
1: they do that in fantasy series.
0: Yeah. Easy. So she wakes up and it is beautiful and she's at. Like a mansion, they call it the manor and it's just perpetually springtime. So she despite the absolute lack of information she is provided. She is not a prisoner. She just gets to hang out in this beautiful manor in this land that is perpetually spring. Bitch got lucky. Okay, she lucked out. This could have been real bad
1: it could have been very bad uh, it it's it just reminds me of all those things like what are you doing like when you're a parent and you're like talking to a teenager who is doing very dumb things you're like what were you thinking and
0: they're like i wasn't <laughs> they were i mean arguably she made the better of the two choices of de- certain death or maybe death yes Yes, but it's just.
1: Yes, it is definitely. It was definitely the better choice, but it's kind of one of those things is like, how did I end up here? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, it's perpetually spring and I'm not starving anymore. And this giant beast came and kidnapped
0: me like and then the giant beast turns into potentially a hot blonde guy maybe because so the beast turns into a fae but the big challenge here is he has a like a masquerade mask covering the upper half of his face and it's like perma stuck to his skin uh, we learn his name is Tamlin, and he is the High Lord of the Spring Court, which is where we're hanging out. This is his house. This is this is his court. This is where he rules. He's in charge. He's got long, blunt hair and forest green eyes. Do you kind of picture Fabio ish? Like, yes. Yeah. Not that the long hair, but, you know, that A little bit. Essence. A little bit, yeah. The vibes of Fabio. I'm going to send you a TikTok, and the, the listeners may know this after this of who the immediate <gasps> impression I have of, of Tamlin.
1: I saw, is, is there a series coming out for this movie? So there,
0: yes, there okay, is. I'll- Hulu has contracted to make this series. If you are, as of this recording, there is no official cast list. OK, I was just about to say this. Did I send this to you or did we talk about it? Ooh, we talked or about did it. did it show up on your feed? You sent it to me. OK. On TikTok, not via text message. And I confirmed for you that the video between those two guys is just total horseshit. It's just them fucking with everyone. Tamlin also introduces Feyre to his buddy Lucian. We love Lucian. Lucian Lucian also has a fast, fast. That's not even a word, uh, a, a face mask, not like covid, but mm-hmm. in the fashion version uh, stuck to his face, but it looks like a fox. So like he's already cooler. Yes. Let's be honest. Lucian, Lucian baby is already cooler. Oh, yeah. So we also meet Alice, who's kind of this servant assigned to Feyre to help take care of her. Uh, Feyre is very creeped out about all of this, by the way. She's not super on board. She's like, wait, I thought I was going to have to, like, do something. And they're like, nope, here's a servant. Everything's going to be cushy, wonderful for you. Lucian's a little bit suspicious of her. And he's a little bit pissed when he first meets her because who she killed was his friend. (laughs) So he's not, like, super thrilled with her, but he warms up to her pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it wasn't good circumstances at all, so...
0: Yeah, and this is like again, this is when we like more officially learn of this promise that Feyre has made to her mother, to, that she would take care of her family. But she really feels like being in Perithian and being away from them, even though it was her only option to not be murdered, is betraying that promise that she has made to her mother. And so she tries to go home a lot. kind of an annoyingly long amount of time. So one of the things that I think is really interesting that she does is that she has this like internal hope that someone will come looking for her to a point where we learned that there are some like not so nice creatures, some nefarious beings there in the night court or in the spring court, excuse me, it's happening at night and she thinks she sees her father limping through the gardens coming up to the manor. So she it's grabs her strange. things and she runs downstairs to go with him, to go back home and lose Lu- or Tamlin stops her. And he tells her that that is, I don't, I think it's a naglin or something. I don't remember Someone what like that. Yeah. What random creature it was. Um, and it was an all an illusion and that her father will probably never come for her. And that is kind of when she sort of lost hope that she would, that anybody would come for her. Yeah. And it's, it's the first sign I see of her starting to accept that she is stuck in Perthian. It was sad. It was really sad. It was really sad. I didn't like that. Thing. Because everyone, like, I would hope... That, like, if I got kidnapped by a random beast from my home, somebody in my family would come for me. Of course. Everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. Mm -hmm. And to realize and to come to the realization that no one is going to come for you. Heartbreaking. Mm hmm. So she also learns about this thing called the plight, the blight. So something is happening in Prithian and it is causing problems. It's killing people. It's attacking children and it's it like flares up. There's not a lot of consistency to when it's happening. It's not as much in the spring court, but it's definitely happening in the other courts of Prithian, which we don't really we learn a little bit about like the winter court. But not a lot about the other courts. Um, So like it releases like these demon line creatures, like the one that tricked her. Um, And Tamlin and Lucian refer to a she. We don't know who she is, though, for a really long time. So she's like, who the fuck is she? So Feyre... Wants to learn a little bit more. She has. She wants confirmation because Faye was coming into this situation and she is thinking that Faye. The one positive thing she thinks is that Faye cannot lie to you. She thinks that they must tell you the truth. That was stupid, by the way. Idiotic. Uh. So everyone's going to love this. Anytime I talk about the spring court, I am going to bring up the fact that they have lunch Fucking constantly, we talk <laughs> about lunch so much. I didn't so, even notice it. I noticed it a lot. So at one of these lunches, or maybe it was dinner, Tamlin and Lucian are talking to Feyre, and they're kind of explaining kind of some of how of the things work in in Prithian, And Tamlin starts, or not Tamlin, excuse me, Lucian starts talking about changelings in Fey lore and faith, like. In, in the wider experience of fae and fairies, the concept of a changeling is pretty common. So that is typically a human child that is like kidnapped by fairies. What? Yeah, here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use the Google machine to get you a full on definition, except I spelled that like with, zero letters are. So the the according to Google definition of a changeling is a child believed to have been secretly substituted by fairies for the parent's real child in infancy. So they'll swap a kid out.
1: I'm having like a hard reboot here. Yeah. Like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Lucian's talking about that. And then Tamlin interrupts because Pharaoh is like clueless about everything that has to do with Faerie. And Tamlin says a really interesting line where he's like, Your mother didn't tell you anything about us? Wait a minute. Yeah. Was her mother a okay. Fae? We know absolutely nothing about Pharaoh's mother until a little bit in, in Silver Flame. So Faera is going to, you know, she has these conversations like she learns about changelings for like a hot second. We have this really suspicious line from from Tamlin, but she really wants she doesn't feel like she can trust anybody. So she gets some dodgy advice from Lucian and she learns (sighs) about a creature called the Surreal. And she's like, he's. She's told by Tan- or by Lucian that the cereal. will, an- if you can catch it, it will answer any question that you have truthfully. So Feyre, it's like, bet. How do I catch one? And they're like, well, they they like uh, certain things. I don't remember what they said. It was Uh, weird. Yeah. I can just only imagine, like, a chicken bone
1: from the left leg or something like that. Yes,
0: it's some, like, sketch, sketch shit that she's told to, like, put down to, like, catch this cereal. So because Feyre is a hunter, she's able to catch this cereal with, like, pretty minimal effort. Okay.
1: Nope. I disagree. You don't think it's because she's a hunter? No, I don't think it's because she's a hunter. Why do you think it is? She's not the only hunter. She is not the only hunter in the world.
0: She is she's not She's the only, only hunter that doesn't use magic in Perthian. Everybody else tries to catch the surreal with magic.
1: Not necessarily, you don't know that. They just said this is how you should catch it.
0: Yeah, she kn- uses human methods as part of okay. her her scheming. Doesn't matter.
1: Doesn't matter. Humans are weak, right? They keep talking about how humans are fragile and stupid. If humans are so fragile and stupid, how is she able to catch a cereal? Unless it is something that is super difficult. Or or it's not difficult at all. But it is because people That's do what they die. Say. Right. Everybody says it is. Everyone agrees it is. Everyone's impressed that she's able to do it. The part that I have a problem with it is like, and this this will go into like a later overarching theory that I'll bring up, but there are so many things that happen later on that there is not, it can't be, it can't be that way. Mm -hmm. She, she has to have some kind of underlying importance, ability, strength. She's a changeling.
0: Thank you for feeding my theory more. Okay. No. No. Okay. We're going to just button.
1: Okay. Because now we're just going to blow this episode right out of the water. No. No. How is she a changeling? She's a changeling. No. Because if she was a changeling, that means she would be a fae already. She's not. That didn't. She's not a fucking fae. How do you know? Because they did the thing. Why did the thing work? What do you mean? Why did the thing work? We're gonna because
0: get we're 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 gonna get into this. We're, then what's your own digress. magic? Then what's your own magic? Hunting. I don't fucking know exactly. Uh, maybe she. I. Mm. Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're gonna go <laughs> deep down the rabbit hole on that. Anyways, so she captures the cereal and she learns kind of some baseline information that she didn't have, like there's seven courts. So there's the four seasonal courts and then the three, uh, like time of day. Oh yeah. So there's, there's summer, winter, autumn, spring, and then there's dawn day and night. I don't forget what, I don't remember what dawn day and night are called my bad. And, uh, she, she she Point Blake asks the surreal, "Is there any way for her to ever go home?" And surreal's like, nah, bitch. You stuck." Poor favor womp womp. womp womp. Um. She also learns that Faye can lie, like fairies can lie to you. No shit, Sherlock. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> like, come on, girl. Uh. And the surreal also tells her to stay with the High Lord. Like, this is a big parting word because mm-hmm. she goes to start to ask the the surreal about the blight and uh sh- the surreal tells you that it's t- uh, about Hybern so Hybern is a another part of the like the world that they live on but it's like mm-hmm. separated by a small ocean and Hybern um is bad they're not super thrilled about the treaty they kind of miss their human slaves and they're kind of on board with reconquering Prithian uh, but before Faera can really ask much more, some Nagas show up, which are like little demon things. And so Faera releases the cereal and takes off running. Um, she does end up like killing some of the Naga, but Tamlin definitely comes in and rescues her. And this very like we didn't say this earlier, but A Court of Thorns and Roses is a loose retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So this scene Very much to me gives that when when Belle goes to run away and the beast falls and she gets like attacked by the wolves and the beast comes and saves her. This gives me very much that scene vibes.
1: Ooh, good point. Wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say this is the scene where we very much depart from (laughs) from Beauty and the Beast. But then now that you say it that way, that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this because like in Beauty and the Beast, at least in the Disney version, uh, it's very much the moment where Belle and Beast kind of for the first time kind of get on the same page Um, because they go back to the castle and she helps heal his arm and they kind of have the first real honest conversation between the two of them. That's not so much what happens here, but it's like the first time we see Tamlin like show a little bit of his strength in his beast mode. But then we also learn you know, he was like not super cool with her almost dying. Um, Tamlin or er- Lucian was supposed to have hung out like not that far away from Feyre during this whole capturing the surreal nonsense, in case some shit went down. And he just like wasn't <laughs> like Lucian. That was a little fucked up. <laughs> Lucy Luci, Lush, that was a little fucked up.
1: He's so, like, he was definitely trying to get her killed.
0: I feel like a little bit he wanted, he was testing her because she really had, I think he was trying to see if she still hated the Fae or what what was going on. She was, I think he was trying to gauge what was going on with her because none of them really understand what's going on because yeah, it all plays into the, to the later curse. So. This is the first time Feyre has a conversation about Tamlin, of why she keeps trying to go back to the human lands. And then Tamlin tells her that he's actually put this glamour on her family and told them that she is visiting. She's off to on the continent, which is another part of of the Earth that they all live on. Um, And that's Earth with a little E. I just want to point that out. Um, Hmm. That. She's off on the continent taking care of a dying aunt and her. He's like, oh, I made sure that your family has plenty of money and they're well taken care of. Why do you think Tamlin did that? Because I don't I'm a little suspicious of why he would make that decision, because. Why? Why would he make sure her family is taken care of before having this conversation with her and have seeing that this is such an important part of her being able to be comfortable in Parithian is making sure her family is taken care of.
1: Self-preservation. Like, honestly, I really don't, like, I, I don't know, I'm torn with Tamlin. We, when I was reading this, I told you this, it kind of gave me the ick. Yes, it's very much a inspo of or it takes its inspiration from uh, Beauty and the Beast but like the way it was all set up and then like you find out why he was or like he was sending people out there and I know we haven't quite gotten to that yet we're not close but yeah it's just the whole thing gave me the ick and then it Mm-hmm. I was getting those flags early and th- it, this early. hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is a very weird thing to me because I just don't think that Tamlin would just do this out of the kindness of her of his own. I don't I definitely feel like he had some kind of motivation. It mm-hmm. could be that it just would make it easier for Feyre to stay. And he just it so happened to work out that way. Yes. I agree with you. Exactly. It could be as
1: simple as that, but I don't think it's out of the kindness of his heart. It's very much to make whatever he wants happen, happen or make his life easier or keep it from the boat being rocked.
0: Yeah. So, but the benefit, like the beneficial side effect of this, this move is that Feyre is finally able to relax from, the first time since yeah. she was 11 years old which is wonderful I'm very glad that she's able to find that level of peace mm-hmm. and then she begins to paint it's like the one thing she always said she wanted to do she wanted to marry off her sisters take care of her dad and then paint um, but then that brings us to probably the thing that I have the most issue with in this book which is Kal and Mai. so leading into Kal- yeah. so Kal and Mai is like this festival celebration thing of the spring equinox and tamlin has to as the high lord has to participate in this religious ceremony for lack of better terminology where he has to have sex with a willing female essentially Mm the 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 mistake that's get that gets made here is that Lucian and Tamlin don't fucking tell Feyre what the fuck Kalanmai Mai is. Yeah, I, they just tell her to stay in her room, lock the door, and set up a snare by her door. They're very concerned about someone trying to come in, and that someone being Tamlin come in and force themselves upon her. Mm-hmm. I just like I don't understand
1: why they're keeping it. From her, while, while, like, while they keep, why they keep so much information from her.
0: I wonder because how much is related to the curse and how much is their own personal choice. A lot of it is their own personal I would say,
1: I would argue most of it is their own personal
0: choice. We, we legitimately no, don't know because we know that right. during this time, they cannot tell her about the curse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's things after the curse comes to its expiration date that they still can't tell her about. So how much... We don't have the full details about what they are and are not allowed to say. So they may not be able to say anything because you also remember that she's fully glamored right now. Like, she thinks that everyone is normal-looking. Oh, yeah. So she has no fucking idea what she's actually existing in. So... I don't know how much she's been able to been to have been like legitimately told. So Farah, because she is 19 years old and sometimes a gigantic moron, does not listen to Lucian or Tamlin. And here's the drum beast and is like, I'm going to go hang out with everybody. That sounds like a great idea. She not- is so dumb sometimes i will say this mm-hmm. a thousand million times fair is good in a fight and not much else and i, I will i will caveat that with fair has probably not had very much education her mother died when she was like eight years mm-hmm. old she went into poverty she has like an elementary school level education she's illiterate she can't read mm-hmm. and that doesn't make her dumb By any means, because clearly she's very smart on her feet. She's got a lot of street smarts, but it just makes her act like an idiot sometimes. Yes. (sighs) Anyways, so she she goes to hang out with everybody. Mm -hmm. She sees people drinking wine, having a good time. It's kind of a sexy vibe. But then she starts getting followed by like three random Fey. And she like yeah. she walks into the woods, not a great choice. That's good. Yeah. Let's just let's just keep not a great keep choice. Those great decision so rolling. Trying to get talk herself out of the situation. Mm. But then but then she encounters the mm-hmm. most beautiful man she has ever seen. And he says to her, hello there. I've been looking for you.
1: Melissa's swooning. You can't (laughs) hear it, but she's swooning.
0: I'm not even a Reese girl. This is a great entrance. Like, Thank you, Reese, for being dramatic. Yes, this is Reese Ann. She has no idea who he is at this point. Yeah. But he essentially asserts his dominance, makes the other three Faye go away, helps her find Lucian, and then Lucian takes her back to the manor, because Lucian's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he tells her, stay the fuck in your room. This he, And he explains to her, like, he he finally explains to her, so maybe it was Tamlin who didn't want to explain it, and Lucian wanted to explain it because we see a little bit of that dynamic in Acomath. Yeah. Uh, but Lucian at this point explains like, hey, Tamlin essentially has to go have sex with somebody. It is not his choice. He just has to pick somebody. The ma- He's going to get filled with all of this magic. And his body's going to pick somebody. It's not going to be a, a nice experience. Like this isn't lovemaking. This isn't a sweet, yeah. kind moment. This is... A magical ritual, essentially. I really have issues with the entire concept of Calan Mai. Yeah, it's gross. It's icky. It's a vehicle, in my opinion, for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it because the yeah. the big thing after is like once Tamlin picks his girl, everyone else can pair off and go bone. And it's just creepy to me. It's just it feels uncomfortable. And I get that, like, everybody has different things in their different cultures. But this, to me, just seems antiquated. And. It's just because, uh, uh, like, there's lots of people who do fertility rituals, but this just feels wrong to me because he's not—he's not making the choice. The magic he gets consumed with is making the choice, yeah. and yes, all of the women are there willingly. But they don't—no one, because they have to go, like, go in this cave to go have sex. No one knows what happens inside that cave.
1: This is true.
0: So well, we don't I mean, know. We it's never don't know. Page. They might know. It's never on page, so we don't know. Tamlin clearly might a little bit know. But yeah, so Lucian leaves Feyre to stay the fuck in her room. And is not capable of even doing that. Farah no. is there for like a couple hours. And then the she... bitch is like, you know what I need? A midnight snack. Oh, is an idiot. She goes and gets some motherfucking cookies. I just, I just, I can't. He, he, just, just do what you're told, lady. Do what you're told. He's trying to protect you, because Lucian very much implies that, like, if Tamlin had the choice, he would pick her. So, she does run into Tamlin hmm. on her way back from eating. God, know, I'm not judging her for eating a lot of cookies, but God's get has a little cookies and milk moment. On her way back, she runs into Tymon. Tamlin. Tamlin is still fun. high as a kite on magic, not yeah. himself. I know. And I'm saying this because I don't entirely hold Tamlin accountable for what is about to occur because he is literally high on magic that he doesn't have a choice in.
1: Yeah,
0: he kind of technically has a choice, but like he somebody has to fucking do this. So, he like traps her against the wall and tells her point blank that he wanted to pick her. And Feyre, because she's an idiot sometimes, idiot. Ta- taunts him, and then he like partially goes into beast mode and bites her neck and leaves a bruise on her. But Feyre's into it. I mean, if that's your
1: thing, go you. Go you, get your get your get your wave your freak flag, you know. Yeah, it's not a freak flag. Like, I'm not going to yuck other people's yum. Let's put it that way. But
0: yeah, I, I just don't
1: feel like in this instance, the what like in that moment, you don't really have enough information to kind of decide. You kind of like go with it, but once you get more information down the road, I think people's opinions would change.
0: Correct. But this is also the moment that she realizes she has a crush on Tamlin. And I'm going to quote John (laughs) Green here because he said something that I thought was really great is that a crush is a lack of information about another person.
1: Ooh, that is a great line.
0: Thank you, John Green. If you should ever listen to this podcast, I might, like, blow my gasket of just... (laughs) Of oh my god but yeah yeah very no, much great. and it's so true in this moment because it she really has she, definitionally she does not have enough information so after Cal and Mai she and Tamlin do start growing closer like they go to you know she starts teach he starts teaching her a little bit more about his magic um, and he lifts a little bit of the glamour so she can see more of the people who are working in the manor as well as the fact that Alice is not a normal fae she actually has bark skin so she's like a so they have high fae and then just regular fae in Prithian so she's a regular fae where like Tamlin and Lucian are high fae Mm -hmm. doesn't change my opinion on Alice I still love her because like after the whole surreal thing, when when favor comes back, Alice is like, you should have just asked me. I would have helped you and not been so weird about it like Lucian was. <laughs> so the summer solstice comes. Um, I that's a big time jump from spring equinox to summer solstice. So essentially, I think Pharaoh is just hanging out painting. So just vibing. Just vibing. She's vibing hanging out in the spring court so this time Tamlin and Lucian let Favor come and she gets they tell her don't drink the Faye wine and she does not listen so she gets drunk AF on Faye wine and she dances the night away and Tamlin I forgot about this and I remembered this today so I'm gonna add this back in Tamlin plays his fiddle for her and it's so cringy (laughs) 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 He does like a fiddle solo for her. And it's like, take the guy playing his guitar for you, but make it medieval fairy.
1: You can't even escape it in a book.
0: You can't even escape it in a book. No, you can't. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I had to bring that up because reasons so this is the first time so they hang out they go up to this hill and uh tamlin kisses her for the first time little little smoochy smooch smoochy smooch happens Mwah. between summer solstice and now is that we also have this moment where we have this blue fae who shows up at He's quote dropped off at the spring court, and his wings have been ripped off by this mysterious she. And Feyre, instead of hiding away from like a pretty traumatic scene, Tamlin's trying to calm this fairy down. Feyre goes to him and initially kind of follows along with what Tamlin is saying to try to calm this fairy down. But then ultimately is like, yeah, your wings are going to come back. You're going to be fine. Ultimately this fairy dies and Tamlin kind of says this little thing over him. And the next day, Feyre, Tamlin and Lucian go to this lake that is made of starlight and they kind of have this like moment where they they deal with a little bit of the grief and a little bit of the trauma from this Faye dying. And to me, I really liked that moment because it showed to me that Tamlin has feelings like he feels a lot of what's going on and he's he's not okay with it. Damon isn't,
1: like, a terrible person to his core. He just makes bad decisions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: doubles down on them, and then decides too late to change his course of action.
0: Correct. And and during some of this conversation between Cal and my and Summer Solstice, we learned that Tamlin had a, a, his father died pretty young for for a fae. He was killed and that both of his brothers were also killed. So Tamlin was never originally intended to be the High Lord. Tamlin was the youngest. Uh, so Tamlin is just pretty woefully unprepared for the role he is now trying to fit into. He was despair and he was trained to be a warrior and that's what he wanted to be. And now he has to be a high Lord and he has to make these decisions and he has to lead these people. And I don't think he doesn't want the responsibility. I think he just doesn't know what to do with it. He dislikes a lot of the aspects of it and like he he doesn't like having to participate in Kalanmai and we'll see in Akamath that he doesn't like other aspects of being the high Lord, but he also doesn't do anything to change his circumstances. He just resigns to this is what his life has to be.
1: But theoretically, like if he's the last one, what's he going to do anyway?
0: Well, he, he can change. He's the high Lord of the spring court. He can make new rules. Yeah,
1: but I meant, like, as far as being prepared family-wise, like, if you don't want to do it and this was never what you wanted to do, like, give it to somebody else then.
0: Yeah, but he can't, so. man, Who's there to give it to? He doesn't have any heirs. Lucian! So, we learned that Lucian is originally from the Autumn Court, though, and so Lucian is just sort of his emissary lucian has a pretty b- tragic backstory too where lucian saw his 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 love be murdered by his brothers and then was essentially chased out of his home by his brothers and his father
1: yeah he's definitely had some trauma but i feel like lucian would be a good a good um replacement to have tamlin have chosen to step down
0: yeah, so we're we're post summer solstice. Everything is kind of going peachy king. You know, the relationship between Feyre and Tamlin is growing. Everybody's happy for a very short amount of time. So the day after summer solstice, they're all having lunch because they fucking have lunch all the goddamn time. <laughs> And I will never let I'm going to die on this hill that they have like lunch. I don't understand why lunch is such a big fucking deal in the spring court.
1: Maybe it's brunch and they just. I don't know, wrote it wrong. Brunch. I would do brunch a
0: lot. I would do brunch I mean, a lot, too. But no, yeah. it is the it, it is lunch. I don't like sliced meat, like sliced deli meat that much to want to eat <gasps> lunch that often. I can't eat that many sandwiches.
1: You're
0: funny. I just I just can't. Anyways, I'm going to get off my hoary horse here. Yeah, Let's let's move off the rabbit hole. <laughs> so they're having lunch. And part of like all of the fun here is that like they've made the table smaller. So it's a more intimate lunchtime between the three of them. And who walks in? Baris. Uh, they get like 2.5 seconds of notice that Reese is about to show up and Tamlin and Lucian freak out are, Yeah, they do. It's a butt puckering moment for them. Oh, yeah. So they um, they pull a, like the most comical job hiding Feyre by literally stashing her behind some curtains and throwing a glamour up.
1: I can't even describe to you just the absolute eye roll that I'm thinking and feeling because that is just such a teenager thing to do. Like young twenties, just dumb ass shit. Like,
0: but like Tamlin's like, 300 maybe 500 plus years old at this point and i don't exactly. know exactly how lucian old lucian is but he's old enough to know better but no, exactly. that's what they do they stash Fabra behind a curtain they don't tell her who it is they're just freaking the fuck out that he's coming Fucking in brilliant but she recognizes him as hottie mchot hot from cal and Mai. Yeah. Yeah. Um, P.S. When she was reading this, she like instantly texted me and was like, I like him. And I had to red herring and gaslight her so hard to prevent her from spoiling what was going to happen. You just didn't want me to be right. But I was right.
1: I was you, right from the she, beginning. You I were right. I you I called were it on right. Tamlin. I, I felt the ick on Tamlin early. I liked Lucian, or not Lucian. Well, I did like Lucian early on, but I liked
0: yeah.
1: um, Reese immediately. And um, yeah,
0: I yeah. couldn't break the illusion for you though. I had to wait yeah. till you got to Akamath. She absolutely gaslit the fuck out of me though. I'm really good at it. I don't do it for nefarious Mm -hmm. reasons. I only do it to prevent from a a friend spoiling a book for herself. This is true. Um, so Reese sniffs out Feyre, like instantaneously, like no time at all. Sees through the glamour, sees her little feet poking out from under the the curtain and is like, hi, who the fuck you? Uh, He's like. She this is the first time we also hear Amarantha's name. That is the she she's the she the she uh, that everyone has been referring to. Reese is like, what's your name? And she lies. She says, Claire, better. And Reese takes that, which Mm -hmm. I'm surprised. I I mean, I'm not surprised, knowing what I know now. But in the moment, I was like. I wasn't surprised that she gave out another name. Uh, no, I fully expected her. I, I thought she would lie better. Um, Yeah. Come up with a completely false mm-hmm. human instead of a person who actually existed, which P.S. Claire is a person from her little human town. Um, And I he just accepts this answer, which I was just like, He's not gonna, all right. He's not gonna question her. All right. Um, Reese then makes Tamlin and Lucian quite literally grovel and beg for him to not tell Amarantha about Feyre. He's it's like, just gave me like older brother vibes, <sighs> yeah, a little bit. And I, there's also literally no love loss between, oh, yeah. Tamlin and Rhysand we find out later they, they have a huge backstory with each other. That is tragic and terrible and awful in so many ways. And. it, it It's just. Meh. Yeah, I understand. I understand why he did what he did, mm-hmm. uh, but that night. Uh, so since like solstice, no, not solstice since like and like for a hot minute, uh, Fabra has been leaving her door unlocked for Tam Tam to come in. Eyebrows. Eyebrows. I can't can't do that. (laughs) uh, Tam Tam comes in that night and they hook up in the most PG 13 way possible.
1: It really was. It was so. I I was very disappointed. I I sent Melissa a voice note. I was like, God damn it. It gets better. It does. It definitely does. I just was expecting more but it gets better.
0: So when Akatar just the first book came out, it was originally classified as YA. So I think that's part of part of the reason why it was a little bit mild. Mhm. Um, it, it it has like a 0.5 on the chili pepper scale, specimens for books. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> Silver Flames is like a 4. Like Lots <laughs> of spice. So they wake up the next day. Tamlin doesn't stay in the bed with her, which red flag. Yeah, no kidding. Red flag. Cuddles, man. Cuddle. I think he like, stays in cuddles for a little bit, but like she falls asleep no, and he sinks cuddles. away. Morning cuddles. You want to wake up together. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to do that. She comes downstairs, eats breakfast, and then is instantaneously sent back home. I hate this decision. I hate what he fucking did. I like. Yeah. Like you literally just boned her. Mm -hmm. Maybe give her a sec to think about how good it was with your extra long schlong. And don't let the door hit you on the way out, sweetie. Yeah. It made no sense. sense. You boner and then you send her away. And she's literally your only option for saving literally everyone.
1: I guess I hope everybody enjoys the mask.
0: (sighs) Because. Well, so I don't know if this is canon, but I heard this, that not everyone is wearing masks. Just the people who came from the spring court, because Lucian has. So we didn't talk about this particular thing, but Lucian has this like false eye because when he was when all the shit went down with his love, he Mm -hmm. had his eye like gouged out. Okay. And so he has this false eye that's gold. And so to help make and he has scars on his face. So to make Mm -hmm. Lucien feel a little bit more comfortable going to this party that they all had to go to, everybody wore masks.
1: Where'd you get that idea from?
0: TikTok. That's where I heard that. Swear to God, people are geniuses.
1: Hmm.
0: I, I just don't pick up on that stuff. Yeah, which if that's if that's somehow actually canon and I missed that. Boop, boop, um, I'm super here for it. So he puts her in this carriage to send her home and he's pretty much saying that. I can no longer like the blight is getting worse. I can't protect you. So I'm I'm relieving you of your obligation under the treaty and I'm sending you home. P.S. I love you. <laughs> Literally, like the door handle is closing. He's like, I love you. Okay, bye. Bye. And she Ugh. doesn't look like she's just shocked. <laughs> Yeah, so she doesn't say anything. What? And like, so what? she just rides off into the morning in her carriage. Shocked as fuck. I just don't even know. <laughs> I think Tamlin forgets that she's illiterate and has like an elementary school level education. So she's like, bitch needs some time to process. No kidding. Bitch like, needs time to process. She does. She really does. Fera's home for like all of a week. Her dad's really excited. The glamour has apparently worked pretty well because part of her coming back is Tamlin sends her home with a bunch of fucking like jewelry and gold and shit. And so dad's like, I'm going to plan a big ball to welcome you home. But you know who the glamour didn't work on? Fucking Nesta. 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 I love Nesta. Oh, Um, she's the best. So Nesta and Feyre have this amazing conversation. I loved I loved everything about it. So (laughs) Nesta sort of fills Feyre in on everything that has happened since Feyre left. So her dad's so part of what Papa Archeron's bad deals was is he's essentially lost like three ships worth of goods. Those three ships just like magically show up. And they get all this money and they buy this big, beautiful house and everything's wonderful. But remember, Nesta ain't falling for any of this shit. Nesta's like, what the fuck? So Nesta goes and hired the mercenary that Feyre had sold the pelts to, to try to go find Feyre. What Feyre didn't know is that her family
1: was going after her. Well, Nesta was going
0: after her. Not Papa Archeron. Someone. Not Elaine, because Elaine was too busy planting flowers because, heaven forbid, the bitch plants, plants a damn vegetable. But Nesta went looking for her. and Someone I did. Fucking love it. So yeah. she finds out that everything that Tamlin had told her was true. That he really did set her family up to be comfortable for the rest of their lives. So Farah tells Nesta everything that happened in the sp- in the spring court, everything that actually went on. And they have just like this lovely conversation between two sisters who definitely had some animosity towards each other at the beginning of the book. And they really come to a point of understanding. It's always nice when you
1: get to have those kinds of conversations with your sisters. Mm-hmm. It was very much a, like it felt healing. To me. Yeah. So I liked that. I liked that scene between the two of them. It was, I thought it was good. And I think she, she like, if I remember correctly, Nesta asked her a question, like, something to the effect of, like, "Oh, any you would do anything for your high lord or something like that."
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And and Nesta and and, uh, Fair was like, "Oh yeah, totally." Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I feel like you'll eat those words later.
0: A little bit. Uh, So Farah goes out to go to the town one day and like before the big party, her dad's planning and she finds that Claire's entire family has been murdered and that Claire has been kidnapped. And she's like, oh, shit. She knows that this has something to do with Prithian and Tamlin and potentially Rhysand. It's bad news bears. Bad news. Bears. It's it's not good news. So favor goes home and she's like the person she seeks out is Nessa. And she's like, something's bad is going. And Nessa's like, well, what mm-hmm. the fuck are you going to do? You are a little puny human. And she's like, I don't know, but I got to try. So favor goes and she finds a hole in the wall and she goes back. She she takes a horse. She goes back to Prithian and she goes back to the manor. And she gets there. It's empty. There ain't nobody around. Can you imagine
1: how creepy that would be walking into a place like that?
0: Oh, yeah. Super, super creepy. But we find she does eventually find Alice. And good old Alice serves her purpose of this entire story. And she just lore dumps on us super hard. So this Thank is when God. we fucking thank God somebody finally told favor what the fuck is happening
1: No, told us what was going on because I remember being up to that point in the the book I was like there's a huge chunk of information that I'm missing here and I don't know what it is and it's driving me crazy
0: yeah and this is to me once favor goes home that little bit happens after like the dance like the ballroom scene with with Beauty and the Beast. She goes to check on her father. This is the point in which the stories dive, like separate. They are no longer parallels to each other. We get a lot of different... We get a very different third act than what you get in Beauty and the Beast. So, Alice just tells her everything. Aunt Marantha had cursed Prithian... 49 now 50 years ago that is why the the masks are permanently attached to the spring court high lord's faces is because that's part of it she had thrown this big party under the mountain which there's this mountain in the middle of prithian in this like kind of like neutral zone and she made this curse because she really wanted to get with tamlin and Tamlin's like, no, thank you. I don't like you very much because Amarantha's a bitch and she had uh, a t- it's like uh, murdered a fuck ton of people during a war 500 years ago. Just she's the worst. She's there's no redeeming qualities in Amarantha. She sucks. So Tamlin wanted to be with her, wanted to be with Feyre, was deaf. Felt like he was in love with her. I. It is debatable how in love they actually were. If this was love of circumstance or if this was. He he thinks he's in love with her, though. I, I fully believe that Tamlin thinks that he loves Feyre. And Feyre at this point loves Tamlin. Yeah. But he's like literally I, the first person to ever be nice to her.
1: Yeah. To me, it's one of those. They think that they love each other. Well, mm-hmm. She thinks she loves him. I I don't know about him. He's too old. He's too old. He knows better.
0: You'd think. But this gives me like first serious boyfriend vibes. Oh, yeah. That is just like very much not really a good relationship. But you're going to put all the effort in. You're going to do all the things. This is the love of your life. It's super intense. You're going to you've been through all of the hard shit. Anyways. So over all of these years. He he has been given this task in order to break this curse. So so part of the curse is that all of the other High Lords are trapped under the mountain with Amarantha, and so they can't really do anything to protect their courts. So when Amarantha gets pissy, she just goes and fuck shit up. And that is the blight oh she sucks oh um, Kef, no fury like a woman's scorn right Tamlin didn't want a boner because she was old and creepy and annoying and she just takes it out on literally everyone mm-hmm. so he has been for decades at this point sending people through a, a hole in the wall and the wall is not a it's physical, but it's also invisible and it's not like an actual wall. It's a magical wall. Just just in case you didn't pick up on that. It's not like a literal. It's not like the Great Wall of China across Parthian. I. I actually thought it was a solid thing. Where does it say it's not? It's very much. Yeah, it's not a real thing. It's invisible because like they can't see it. And that's why it's hard to find a hole in it because you can't fucking see it. I honestly was, like, picturing, like, a
1: big-ass black glass wall with, like, cracks in it where people could squeeze in. But where does it
0: say it's invisible? Because how do you have a black glass wall that literally goes, like, infinitely into the sky, into the atmosphere? magic. Yeah, that's why it's invisible. But why do you think it's invisible? (laughs) Because multiple times they talk, like when Feyre tries to go back to Prithian after she's been sent home and decides to go back, she literally has to walk the wall for a long time because there's like a force, it's more like a force field
1: that you can't go through. Yeah, I remember her doing that, but like I just figured it was not because they couldn't see it it was just because like they needed to find
0: like a weak spot yeah but that's what makes finding the weak spot so hard is because you literally can't see it
1: it was just because it was time consuming
0: no it's yeah anyway we both mentally pictured the wall very very differently I wonder what
1: that says about us psychologically.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Anyway. So, yeah. So he's been sending loyal people of his court through the wall for decades with the terrible hope of somebody killing him because part of killing his killing his friends because one of the stipulations to be able to break the curse is that Tamlin has to fall in love with a human who kills a fae with hate in her heart. Mm-hmm. Faye were definitely at the beginning of the story has no love of the fae. No, none either. whatsoever. She's she could give one flying fuck about them. She's like, I don't give a shit about you guys. Fuck y'all! You enslaved humans. You're bad and scary. No thank you. Mm-hmm. So it's bad, and so he Alice tells Feyre like it's too late. The curse is the the timer has run out. You're screwed. There's nothing you can do because it did. It did run it, out. It did run out. So. Favorite though, is persistent and she's like, nah, I gotta try. Help me get there. And then she's like, <laughs> well, you can walk for like a really long time or I can show you this shortcut tunnel that happens to be like 20 feet from the house. Convenient.
1: I'll go with the shortcut
0: tunnel. same Like, here's some supplies. I'm gonna take the shortcut. So... She goes into this tunnel, and Alice is like, I'm going with you. Peace out. Also, there's also a little piece of information we still can't tell you.
1: Okay. So,
0: there's been a lot.
1: At this point.
0: Yeah. So, Favor goes into the tunnel to go under the mountain. The under the mountain has. allegedly been modeled after the night court. So it's supposed to be scary and kind of sketch sketch and like not great times. Feyre instantaneously gets caught by this thing called the Adder and brought in front of Amarantha. Which like honestly kind of works out because she didn't know where the fuck she was going. So like Adder's kind of a dick, but Thanks for making this easy. Yeah. So Amarantha essentially has Tamlin leashed to her. So Amarantha has like this dais. She's sitting like on this throne. And then Tamlin is in this chair next to her. And Tamlin does not look at Feyre. He doesn't engage with her at all. He was like ice. Just Mm -hmm. absolute ice. And I wonder if that was because of like Amarantha's control over him, or if it was him trying to protect Feyre and like be like, I don't really know her. I'm not gonna engage with her. I don't I really don't know. know. I don't we know. No. Know. We don't know. So Claire is there and actively being tortured.
1: Yeah, like nailed to the wall, right?
0: Oh. Yeah. It's real bad. Um, so Amarantha is like. Kind of pissed at Reese for a hot second. She's like, how the fuck did you not know that she was lying? He's like, I don't fucking know. I don't care. She's a fucking human.
1: I never thought about that before, actually. Mm
0: mm-hmm. huh. hmm. Mm hmm. hmm. So. Pharah's like, I'm here to claim my love. And, you know, she's trying to do the hero of the fantasy story thing. And Amaranth is like, yeah, bitch, I don't give a fuck. How about this? You can either compete in three tasks over like 90 days or you can solve this super basic riddle. I wanted to scream. That she didn't know the answer to the super uh-huh. basic riddle? Yeah. Remember, Farah has an elementary school education. Ask your nine-year-old to solve the riddle. I know. That's like, your like, nine-year? Would your nine year old be able to solve that riddle? So the riddle is there are those who seek me a lifetime, but never meet meet. And those I kiss, but who trample me beneath ungrateful feet. At times I seem to favor the clever and the fair, but I bless all those who are brave enough to dare. By large, my ministrations are soft handed and sweet. But scorned, I become a difficult beast to defeat. For though each of my strikes land a powerful blow, when I kill, I do it slow.
1: Probably. But if she didn't, I wouldn't be, like, shocked.
0: She's a nine-year-old level education. And has little life experience outside of literal survival. I guess when you put
1: it that way, sure.
0: I think she should have been able to solve that riddle way fast because I feel like it is super obvious. Yeah. Especially considering what the whole breaking of the curse was. Like, use some logic and reasoning here. The curse uh. was broken if Tamlin falls in love. Why would that not continue to be a key to this situation? Yeah. Yeah. What do I know? Uh, Farah, because she's good in a fight and not much else, picks the three tasks. Well, she's got confidence. Let's... It, good for her. She is. A, so to be fair, she is a, a hunter. She is pretty physically adept. So she probably thinks it's her better bet.
1: Yeah. To be it's... honest.
0: Um. So Amarantha kind of roughs her up a little bit. And by Amarantha, I mean, she has a lackey to it. Uh. And then that night, Lucian kind of comes into her cell that she's been taken to and heals her. So, like, there's definitely continued relationship between at least her and Lucian during this time. Yeah. He's the only one that comes and checks on her. For now. True. So we get to the first trial, which is, like, not that long after. So before the start of the trial. So it's important to note that Feyre does not tell... Amarantha initially what her name is she's like no you don't need to know that never mind it's it's fine it's fine so before the first trial Amarantha brings her out and she's like you're gonna tell me her your fucking name or I'm gonna kill Lucian bitch is not play she's like "Mm -mm, this is clearly the only person you give any Mm -hmm. shits about other than Tamlin I'm gonna fuck him up so in order to spare Lucian She does give up her true name of being Vera. And she this doesn't go unnoticed. This does not go unnoticed. So she gets dumped in this pit for her first trial. And she has to defeat a Midgardian worm. I want you to remember Midgard. Okay. Just, just remember it. Uh, it's definitely a a fight. This is a giant worm. It's terrifying. She's just surrounded by mud and shit. And it's chasing her down. So she's running away from it and she finds like this stack of bones where this thing has been eating and she comes up with a plan and she essentially creates a, a snare and a trap for the for the worm. And she covers as part of it to cover up her scent, because it, it's blind, it can't see. She covers herself in the mud and the shit. Ugh. So gross. So gross. I understand <laughs> why she did it. I might have just gotten eaten by the worm. I might I would have solved the riddle, let's be honest. Yeah, I might have gotten eaten by the, the worm. And she ultimately ends up killing it, but she does get injured during this process. She gets it like bites her arm. I don't exactly remember, but she like her arm gets injured yeah. during this process. So she's not doing great. But at the end of the trial, she does eat a piece of broken bone directly at Amaranth's head or Amarantha's head.
1: Well deserved. Well, so deserved. love it.
0: Fucking love it. Uh, There was also some betting going on, because what else do you do between a bunch of high lords? Everyone bet on the high on the worm beating her. Except for Reese. Reese bet on Vera. Yeah, Reese. I think this is when I lost my ability to gaslight you, because like, why else would he bet on her? And I'm like, because he likes to fuck with people. And you're like, no, "No." you were. you were still trying. You were I, still I trying. I still tried, but
1: I knew that I had lost
0: any ability to convince you thoroughly. You were
1: very much like, oh, just remember Reese has a reason for everything that he does. And I'm like, yes, and it's not a bad one. You're so full of shit right now.
0: <laughs> it
1: was fun though. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so she's not doing well after this injury. She's in herself for like almost a week. She's in there for like a hot minute. Mm -hmm. And she's just sort of waiting for Lucian to come in because remember she covered herself with shit. Mm -hmm. Bitch got an infection.
1: Yes, she did.
0: Bitch is dying. She's like a bed of hay with like a blanket and like literally a bucket in the corner to vomit and poop and pee in one meal a day like her life sucks uh but lo and behold Reese Ann shows up one night Reese you, baby she's also not doing well like to a point where like no. she hallucinates music like beautiful mm. music but she hallucinates music at some point mm. Based on the information we have in this book, she hallucinates music. Okay. And Reese is here, and he decides he's going to offer her a bargain. He's like, "I will heal you, but you have to come spend a week a month." Or you got to come spend a, m- one, week, um, a, week, a month. Yeah, one week a month. One week a month. Uh, with me, or no, two weeks a month in the night court with me. And she's like, make it w- w- one. And and I'm in. So he's like, bet. Part of the bargains <laughs> with night courts, though, is that you get like a tattoo to symbolize your bargain. That
1: would be cool. I would like that. Well, I mean, I guess they do that in Harry Potter, too, kind of.
0: A little bit. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. So she gets this swirly black tattoo on her hand, like up to her elbow. And in the palm of her hand, there is an eye, uh, which. Is an interesting choice. Um, So she she gets healed, but while she's waiting for her next trial to come around, she randomly has to do some like Cinderella chore task things. So the first one is she has to clean this room that's filled with mud on the floor with like yucky water and has to just do it like in a time frame. And it's not good. Wouldn't it like enchanted against her or something like
1: that?
0: Yeah, everything is nothing yeah. is here to work for her. But Mama from the Autumn Court, a.k.a. Lucian's mom, comes in. And is like, because you gave your name for my son and she cleans, she like helps her. She cleans the water that Feyre has been given and Feyre is able to complete the task. I think it's really important to note that this is the only piece of dialogue we have ever gotten from the, uh, the lady of the Autumn court. True. And like, she's barely
1: really referenced at all in the rest of the series. It's very, very certain specific moments.
0: Yeah. So I think if anytime she's on page, we probably need to pay attention. Yeah. So the the next one is, is she gets a super Cinderella-y task where she has to pick lentils out of the ash in someone's room. <laughs> uh-huh. P.S. This turns out to be Reese's and he just like snaps his finger with magic and solves the problem for her. Here you go. I Thanks, helped. Reese. Um, And then as part of this bargain, Reese now comes and takes her out of the cell every night, hands her over to two servant girls, has them paint her body to match the swirls on her tattoo, dresses her provocatively, gets her drunk on wine and makes her dance for him. This is one of the things about Reese I can't really reconcile with of why he would do this, why he would exploit her like this.
1: He had to keep up pretenses. Yeah, he
0: had to. Yeah, he he can't be seen like being nice to her for no fucking reason
1: or not fucking with her. Like not just not being nice. Like it's one thing to just like ignore somebody, but you can't like he's kind of involved himself with her weirdly. So now he has to prove a reason why.
0: My question too is now so we we learned that he he's always been called like Amarantha's whore. And that is literal and figurative mm-hmm. at the same time. So now that the curse timeline for breaking has expired, has Amarantha traded Reese for Tamlin because we learn when we're talking about him being her whore, she's essentially sexually assaulting him on a regular basis. Is she now doing that to Tamlin instead of Reese? And is he trying to show that he's fine with her moving on by doing this to Farah? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Like that. Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting choice for Reese, especially where he he considering what happens down the line that he made this choice to have this done to her every night. But. Interesting choices are made. He is, in fact, a morally gray character. Sometimes he just does things because it perpetuates his morally grayness. Mm-hmm. So that brings us into. The second trial, and it's the most annoying trial to me (laughs) because essentially, Amaranth throws her Feyre and Tamlin or Lucian into a pit with like spikes slowly coming down to squish them, and Feyre has to solve a riddle written on the wall to know which lever to pull to make it stop.
1: I was so annoyed. Cause she can't we didn't read. talk about this earlier in the, in the episode, but like I, when I was reading this to Melissa, like early on, I had a big problem with the fact that she was illiterate and it was like a, a beauty, a
0: and, beauty and the beast
1: retelling. Yes. A beauty and the beast retelling. And, it, and she was illiterate and I was like, this is going to come back to bite it. And sure as shit it did, it absolutely did. And I'm fairly certain I had a voice note and I was like, I told you, I told you.
0: So, yeah, it was annoying. So she can't read. So she has no idea what this riddle on the wall says. And she's just like, there's fight, there's flight, and then there's freeze. Pharaoh freezes in this moment and she's just like i don't i'm gonna die and lucian's gonna die and everything's gonna be bad but then she feels kind of like some sensations around one of the letter like levers she's like i'm just gonna pick this one and she's like oh no that maybe this one no this one, like, it takes her, like, three or four tries to trust the magical help, which P.S. That is raised. That so annoying. It's, like, very clearly that mm-hmm. they are
1: trying to nudge you to pick the right one, and you are just ignoring it.
0: So, in, in true dramatic fashion, she waits as long, almost, as possible to be able to pull the correct lever and keep everybody from dying. Everybody being her and Lucian. To be fair, this was... Of the three, the easiest of the tasks. I, I thought easiest was honestly, the like,
1: it was such a, it was kind of boring to me. Yeah. This if she had was, been able to
0: read, this would have been, like, no problem. Yeah. To me, it's like, well, we
1: can just move on. Like, because she, she doesn't die. Nope. We don't learn any new information. Nope. All it does is make some people look continue to improve their their reputation and then others it just
0: tanks it faster because Tamlin continues to do literally nothing anytime he sees her yep yeah um so that brings us up to the third trial but the night before the third trial we have to talk a little bit so Rhysian brings her out like he has been but he doesn't give her any wine because he wants her to be sharp For the final trial. Because Reese is definitely invested in Feyre successfully breaking this curse. And successfully getting them all released from Amaranthus hold. Because Mm -hmm. he just like everybody else is like super not on board with that. We also see at some point. I don't exactly remember when. The death of the High Lord of the Winter Court. Because Reese is forced to kill him. He just like goes into his mind and like snap like. Snaps his mind. Snaps fingers. But whoop. Whoop, go. Whoop. Bye. May Have fun being dead. Um, <laughs> real not great. Real not great. So. During the night. This night. We're, we're like Reese leaves to go like talk to somebody. Tamlin finally comes up to her. And he takes her into this like little back hallway and starts kissing her and she's like yes we are gonna be together this is our last time ever seeing each other we're probably both gonna die tomorrow Reese pops in, and he's pissed, pissed. Yep. number one tamlin's all up on her smeared all of her fancy body paint which is mm. literally the whole point of why it's there reese is like i would know where to touch and i would have the magic to like not fuck it up so smeared it means somebody else fucking touched you how
1: dumb was that of Tamlin 100% like you're almost literally leashed to this woman and you think it's a good idea like I just Mm -hmm. like let's run away and go make out immediately I don't know. I I don't understand the thought process there.
0: Try to get her out. You think that that's what he was doing? No, I think that's what he should have done. He should have taken that opportunity to get Feyre out the out of there. Like get her the fuck out.
1: Yeah. Like why are why are why are you still here? I don't know.
0: Because he's stupid. He's so stupid. So Reese makes. Tamlin leave, but of course, like Amarantha's gonna notice that Faye is missing, that Tamlin's missing, and that Rhysand's missing. So Faye is not super happy about this, but Rhys plans a big old kiss on her, mm-hmm. like two seconds before Amarantha opens the door. Hell yes! I don't love that it's like non consensual kissing, but it's a better cover up than getting herself murdered. Yeah, I get it. We wake up the, the day of the, the final trial and Feyre is pretty much resigned to this might be the last day she's ever alive. hmm. And they come up and this trial is truly brutal because she's taken an innocent phase life. Amarantha decides that she has to do it again. Times three oh uh, god so, she said that and I was like oh fuck here we go I didn't expect to go it to go that hard because like the mingardian worm like it's a worm I'm not mm-hmm. really emotionally attached to a worm nope the the, the, the squishing it with the, the, the spikes and having to read the riddle that's not all that scary to me this, this is horrifying you're sort of essentially forcing her to commit murder Mm -hmm. because what happened in the forest that day when she killed what we later learned to be the Fae? I don't know. I don't think fae if the Fae had not been in wolf form, if she would have done anything like that. I don't think so. I don't think she would have done anything like that. I don't think she would have either. So this is a, this is fae having to take a life, In a very different way than she ever has before. So she is forced a first to kill this young male who is pleading for his life. She has to stab him in the heart. Then it's a woman who's definitely like accepted her fate a little bit and tells her like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Just do it. Stabs her in the heart. Then she they pull the hood off of the last one. And it's Tamlin. I. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: I I don't know. I, I should have seen that one coming. I didn't.
0: Yeah. When there was three, I was like, this is going to be somebody. It's, it's either going to be Lucian or it's going to be Tamlin.
1: I I think I thought it was probably going to be Lucian if it was going to be anybody. Because like that's who It was closest, Mm -hmm. but yeah, as soon as his name popped up, I was like, well, she's going to kill herself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so she definitely has that thought process, but then she also starts to remember something that Alice told her that there's a piece of this curse that she still doesn't know. And then these other moments start playing out where People have made these kind of offhand comments about. Tamlin having a cold metal steel iron heart. So Feyre makes this logical deduction. And stabs Tamlin in the heart. Knowing that his he was going to be OK, thinking, hoping that she, he was going to be OK
1: girl I would not have had that much faith in myself
0: absolutely not Mm -mm. me neither me neither I don't know if I would have been able to act honestly I don't know what I would have done so obviously Tamlin doesn't die right and in theory this should officially break the curse. She's complete. She stabbed all three of these fairies in the heart. She should break the curse. And Amaranth is like, yeah, I said I would break it, but I didn't say when. And everybody bitch, is pissed. Mm-hmm. Tamlin tries to attack A- Amarantha. It doesn't work out well. Amarantha in turn attacks Feyre. And it's real bad. So she, real bad. She cheats. Hurts Fera pretty badly. So Fera is like literally laying on the ground. Beat to hell. And she finally says she knows the answer to the fucking riddle. And the answer is love. And then Amarantha snaps her neck. And then but her answering the riddle, for some reason, does instantaneously break the curse. And so part of the curse has been that Amaranthus stole some of the High Lord's powers. So They only had a fraction of what they normally had. The curse being officially fully broken means everybody's got full powers back. Uh, Tamlin literally throws a sword through Amarantha and then goes turns into beast mode and rips her neck out. It's like the Hulk. I also want to note that we don't get a description of what color Amarantha's blood is. Does it matter? Maybe. (laughs) Okay,
1: I'll take that as yes.
0: (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. It's a theory. That I can't explain until you finish throwing up glass. Okay. I mean,
1: yeah. I bitch got what was coming to her. That was a very satisfying death. Like, almost Joffrey-level satisfying. Mm -hmm. Maybe not quite that much, but...
0: I was totally fine with her being real dead. Um, But is also dead right now. But she's weirdly not her consciousness is there, but it's inside of Reese. What did you think of that the first time? Like when you were reading it, that, you didn't get it? Uh.
1: No, I did not get it the first time I read it. It had to be explained to me. And then, like, even then, it's like, man, it's, I just still don't. It, it's just not written in a way that my brain comprehended.
0: Yeah. Fair. So, yeah, is sort of floating around inside of Rhys and Tamlin begs the other high lords to help save her. So each one of them comes up and gives a little piece of themselves, a little tiny little scrap of dust Mm -hmm. to her. And she reawakens and has been transformed into a high fae. And now she has an immortal life. I mean,
1: it sucks that you have a broken neck a few minutes ago, but I kind of think the whole Faye thing was pretty cool. It's not the
0: worst. Yeah. Yeah you now, you know, she says she's in love with Tamlin. She's never going to have to be separated from him because that was part of her little bit of a worry before when she was human that like she would grow old and die and he would he would pretty much stay kind of ageless. So, yeah, but
1: now you're stuck with them for literally forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Like um, immortality is a, is not always a blessing. That's a uh, curse to me yeah I do not I d I don't I wouldn't want immortality personally because mm-hmm. I um no thank you. Um no. so then you know that she and Tamlin go back to some room and and spend a little happy fun adult time together, which is not on page. <laughs> uh which is which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. I'm 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 totally fine. But she wakes up in the night and she goes up to this balcony she kind of just she's wandering and she leads her to this balcony where reese is and they have this conversation about how they sort of became allies through this process and they have this bargain and they're talking And he has this moment of realization of something. His eyes go wide and then he disappears, which we later learn is winnowing. What was your first thought of that?
1: Of the winnowing?
0: Of the reaction that Feyre notes in Reese's eyes. It kind of comes on very suddenly and then he just like nopes out of there.
1: I don't remember what my reaction was. It was Man. a while ago when I read so, it. But, like, I don't know. I feel like she was good at tracking that on other people, like, seeing things on their faces. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she necessarily knew what it all meant. She had no clue. But I think she picked a, that there was something there.
0: Some He, he put the pieces together about something, Yes. For sure. Yeah. And she didn't know what it was. No. And she didn't enjoy the way that he left. She kind of felt a little bit abandoned by him because I think she wanted to have more discussion about how the bargain was going to work. Because I think yeah. she made that bargain thinking she was going to die. She was never going to actually have to fulfill any of those promises. I think she just made it out of desperation. She just purely
1: didn't have it any other choice so that was it or it was that or
0: die Mm-hmm. so she didn't know if or when lucian was going to be able to come
1: yeah i also have a bone to pick with that as well because like i don't i don't love the fact that tamlin like never even tried to come see her or at least oh. not that we see on page
0: no, we don't see anything on page. We don't know what was happening to him during that time. Like I said, for all we know, he's literally being strapped down to the bed and ridden by Amarantha in like the worst way possible. Yeah. So I a part of me wants to give Tamlin some grace in this because mm. it it could be something along those lines. Like he's physically being prevented from going to her. Same thing with Lucian. Lucian had to be really strategic when he went to visit her. And it's not that I don't think he wanted to go visit her sooner or faster and help her. It's just that he quite literally probably couldn't get away.
1: That's fair. I didn't think about that. It's fair, but still.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of, t- I think there's just a couple of moments, especially in Akatar, where we can and should give Tamlin a little bit of grace. I think
1: when I was reading it the first go around, I wouldn't have agreed with you knowing what I knew at that point. I would have been like, mm-hmm. no, nah, st- that dude's still shitty. I don't like him.
0: Yeah. Tamlin makes the- a lot of mistakes. He yeah. The- beyond not
1: perfect oh 100 yeah well and none of them are you know what i no. mean but i think as time as like as i've read throughout the series like it, things come into more context and it's like okay well maybe it didn't exactly go the way it looked like it did
0: yeah i i think very rarely is anything that SJM writes, like, entirely surface level. There's always something oh, else yeah. going on. Okay. Uh, but I
1: meant, like, just from the character's perspective.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. So she goes back down and then the next, like, the final scene of Akatar is Feyre and Tamlin and Lucian riding home to... <sighs> the the spring court and they're kind of standing on this hill looking over it and we also learned that they have closed up the secret passageway shortcut to under the mountains so and no mm. one can ever go back there unless you want to walk a really long way to the mountain which P.S. no one's gonna do yeah uh, thank you and that is the conclusion of the very first book of the ACOTAR series and um. Mm hmm. So first and pro- like you finished this book. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel?
1: Um, I liked it. I wasn't in love with it. I, when, when I started reading it, I think you told me like you have to read through the second one, mm-hmm. um, which I'm glad you did because I agree the second one, it gets exponentially better, in my opinion. Not that this one is bad. It's just not it was a very much I could have take it or leave it type situation. Like it was not high up on my list. But I'm glad I stuck with it because the series is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this isn't bad by any any means so I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying it's not bad it's just it wasn't like my I wasn't like sucked in from the very first page type deal but that's really hard to do
0: very and to me this this is a really good example of when book one is primarily world building and setup for what Mm -hmm. is going to be the meat of the rest of the story yeah this is like 101 when a when a story is structured that way,
1: I get I get why they do it that way, but I feel like you need there there should have been more in there to keep me like drawn in. Because if you're gonna, if you need to world build that heavily for like a, almost like a for a very large book, there needs to be a little bit going more going on, or like t- to keep me like super dialed in. But it doesn't matter because, like, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's a great series. I think it's a great fantasy series read as well. mm mm-hmm. um, Like you said, I don't know. Like, this one may have used it was YA originally. But yeah. it's definitely not now, so...
0: I really enjoyed it. I think Sarah J. Mass writing is really approachable from mm-hmm. a fantasy perspective. If you are not a fantasy person, i I would probably start you here or at Fourth Wing. Um, yeah, to introduce you to how fantasy novels work because like I'm not going to start you with like a Brandon Sanderson like you're not reading Way of Kings first Mm -hmm. you're not reading the Wheel of Time first you really need to start some place where you can get on board and there's some familiar themes and I think that's why it was a little bit brilliant for SJM to make this a Beauty and the Beast retelling because I think it made the story more approachable for people
1: but I didn't know that when I picked up the book I don't know if most people knew that when they picked up the book. I'm sure they picked up like when they started reading it, they were like, oh, this feels familiar. But Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I picked up on it pretty quickly. I also shout out to my friend Lily, who will some point be on this podcast with us. Uh, I clocked that Lucian was a a simile of Lumiere like instantaneously. And when I told her that it broke her brain a little bit.
1: Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned that to me before. I didn't either. I didn't catch that. So you
0: blew my, you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really until you get to that third act climax of three trials that things are pretty similar between like the very classic Disney, movie and mm. this but but like in different like it, it's hitting similar plot points there's definitely no like copyright infringement or intellectual property theft going on here right it, it's just very similar gotcha. um from a from a storytelling structure I, I really enjoyed it it definitely made me want to read the next book oh yeah like, Hmm and I was really cu- I was really curious about like okay so they already got rid of Amarantha what is the next conflict gonna be yeah
1: yeah it always makes me wonder like when they do that like when they kill the when it's a series but they kill off the villain early on you're like well then now what is it like an overarching thing or we're gonna go into like a serial or, or episodic is what I guess I don't know what yeah. the word for
0: episodic yeah yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I we I feel like we kind of got a little bit of a teaser of the fact that like Amarantha was a Hibern general. And so like and hearing a little bit about Hyburn from like the Surreal yeah. and things like that. We had a we had enough information to know that Hibern was probably at some point going to be a problem. Yeah, for sure. And that she was just step one. She was the <laughs> first level boss. But yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed my my crazy book I made you read. No, it was great. Yeah, so thanks everybody for for listening to us today talk about one of my favorite book series, Akatar. Uh, again, my name is Melissa. I'm Jill, and I can't wait for the next one. I know. Thanks for geeking out with us, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.